0: Welcome to Strung Out, the podcast that looks at life through the lens of an artist. Your host is the artist, writer, and musician, Martin Lawrence McCormack. Now here's Marty. Hey, everybody. Great to have you on the show. It's
1: been a while since I've been in front of the mic, but uh, I wanted to do a world roundup with Sandeep, but Sandeep isn't available for this. So I'm going to do an odd mix of talking about the world, and I also am looking at things from the perspective of this is my final week being a 59-year-old. Turning 60 is just an odd feeling. It's like walking into an area of disbelief, at least for me. Uh, I've been in disbelief ever since I turned 35, so that's that's kind of where things are at. A lot of things going on with my band Switchback. This summer has proven itself to be just jam-packed with a lot of stuff, so my apologies going forward with this show. It's a little hodgepodge of everything, and uh, first of all, I just want to walk through some of the politics that I've been noticing and reading, and I'm sure you folks have too. Wow, the Supreme Court, amazing. Overturning affirmative action, and I don't know what's going to be accomplished by that. I think the country needs to make sure that we remain a diverse country And if affirmative action helps bring in people who would not necessarily be able to get into a university or a college, what is the harm in that, is my question. And I think that it's interesting to see how both Supreme Court judges, Sotomayor, who is a Latina, and Thomas, who is African-American had these two very striking takes on affirmative action. Thomas looked at affirmative action as a personal insult. He felt like he deserved to get into Yale on his own merits. That affirmative action basically made him look less important, that his white law students made fun of him he felt personally insulted Sotomayor. On the other hand, total opposite tact, where she was like, this gave me the opportunity. If I hadn't had this, I wouldn't be here today, that sort of thing. And it was very scathing of the majority of the court deciding to let affirmative action go. I think a country that is based upon immigration That is based upon the idea that uh, Epler is unum. We have to look at this from the long range that until we have a critical mass of people of all walks of life and every race and creed creating a substantially wealthy, well off middle class. And what I mean by that is a healthy middle class. We need to put into place everything we can to keep things going. I know there's people that are not going to agree with me on that, but that's where I stand with it. It's not that a person who going to Yale just because they're black or Latino, they're letting in somebody stupid. Obviously, the person has merit. It's just trying to make the playing field a little bit more level. And yeah, for me, that doesn't carry any kind of existential threat. I want to have a healthy and happy middle class and a diverse middle class where people are able to rise up as a middle class and help this country maintain the creative vibrancy that makes this country what it is. It'll be interesting to see what happens. It'll be interesting to see what colleges do. I think it's just going to come down to colleges who are going to have to uh, basically look that much harder at trying to get that sort of diversity, the fabric of America calls for it. Interesting what's going on with all the indictments since we last talked for the former president. Not much for me to say about it right now, except that I think that at some point all the chickens are going to come home to roost. We will see what happens. This is the first time that we've had this level of of indictments ever leveled against a president and at some point we either are a nation of laws or we're not. Will we be able to see the law exercised if the law is broken? That really ultimately is what it comes down to, right? There's no sense of privilege for anyone, right? Right. And uh, whether the former president is going to go to jail or anything like that is secondary, I think, to the idea of being found guilty of breaking the law. That precedent of saying that nobody is above the law is very important. And uh, we can't have. Any kind of exceptions for anybody, Republican, Democratic, whatever. If you break the law, you break the law. That's the guardrails of keeping our country healthy again. And it remains to be seen whether that's going to be the case. Fingers crossed. Let's move over quickly to the world. A lot of stuff going on in the world things that are painful the whole thing with the uh, the israeli incursion into the janine camp when is this going to this whole thing going to end when is this whole thing of trying to get the palestinian state a state and try to set up the boundaries get rid of these settlers taking over territory that was not theirs, nobody's winning. Nobody's winning in this situation, and it's going to be just a continual cancer that's going to be there unless there is some leadership that truly will try to hold up the rules, the agreements that were established I believe it was with the 1969 borders. I think that's the last time that, they, that the understanding for the two-state solution. Otherwise, wow, we're going to have war without end there in Israel. And it's a sad thing to see. There's also a rising malevolence toward Christians in Jerusalem. That has to be observed. Jerusalem is a multi-faith city, and a lot of people lay claim to it. It could be something very beautiful. This is for bigger minds than mine to, to suss out. I just hope and pray that somehow those minds are there and that we end up with true leadership in the state of Israel. And also with the Palestinian leadership as well. Uh, It's going to be sausage-making. Nobody is going to walk away from any kind of peace feeling like they have total victory. There's going to be concessions all around. Finally, before we take a little break, I want to talk about what's going on with Russia. Amazing to just watch what's been happening over the last couple of weeks. I am still sticking to my prediction that what we're going to see is this whole thing come to an end in August. I know it sounds crazy, but I think that with Prigozhin trying to mount that weird mutiny, a half-hearted mutiny, if you will, it it does reveal that It wouldn't take too much to topple the current Russian leadership. It might not necessarily have to even take a mutiny of that kind. All it's going to really take is somebody or a group of people who are going to be able to say, if we move now, we can end the war in Ukraine. We can also topple this leadership and get rid of this guy Putin. I just don't see Putin being able to hang on to it much longer. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to a guy like Prigozhin. I think found himself holding a tiger by the tail and probably regrets now that he just didn't go all the way because we're probably not going to hear from Prigozhin ever again. For the Ukrainians, it's proving to be not like last summer. It's going to be difficult. But again, I think it's just finding the right weak spot to force the change. Already you see that uh, people are leaving Crimea, that there's long queues at the Kerch Bridge. And I think you're going to see maybe by the end of August it over in the sense that the weakened state of the Russian military is just not going to be able to hold. The kind of troops that they have now are extremely poor. And the West is going to continue to support Ukraine. It's a foregone conclusion about that. Other parts of the world right now that are on the radar with China, Taiwan, I don't see too much changing with that. I think there's still going to be a lot of saber rattling. I hope in the case of the Chinese, again, calmer heads prevail. That whole fixation with we've got to get Taiwan and make that a part of our country, you could almost liken that obsession to somebody saying we should take over Cuba. We had Cuba once and it was a protectorate for a a brief time. Would it make more sense for us to attack it? And let's just say we had to fight a a multinational army that's sworn to protect it. No. The better thing to do is to work it over with a century's worth of economic largesse and bonhomie. That's catching more flies with honey. But It's very difficult when you have a dictator like Xi Jinping, and he is a dictator, he's an emperor. That kind of mind think, when it comes down to a person's ego, all bets are off. But I think for now, for a little while, we're not going to have any problems, except for the problems that we now have. (laughs) We're going to take a little break, and I want to share with you some songs in the rough. Right now, I have... 12 more songs being worked on and going to be turned into some sort of album offering. Let's listen to, these are songs in progress, folks. Here's the first one. You're listening to Marty talking about being 59 going on 60 on Strung Out.
2: What does it take to make-
0: martinmccormack.com and sign up for our newsletter. You'll get the latest blog from Marty, information about upcoming podcasts, and what's happening in the gallery. That's martinmccormack.com. Okay, guys, we're
1: back. And uh, I've got a lot of things happening here. And uh, I want to start off with uh, just I uh, came back from Colorado. We switched back. We just took about 45 people out by train to Winter Park, Colorado. And it was just such a great experience. Uh, And I had a chance to reconnect with a lot of old friends, including one of my uh, high school professors, teachers from high school, English teacher, Mike McCarthy. So great to sit with somebody that knows you from when you're a young person. And then after what is it, 20 years or more, all of a sudden here you are sitting and trying to fill in the blanks, but also you're looking at each other's life and you're like, who are you? What have you accomplished? Or what do you think now at this point in the game of your life? And uh, it was just such a, a wonderful experience to be able to sit in an observation car, looking at the scenery going by having a whiskey with Mike and thinking about things. Switchback is coming out with its new album, Red or Blue. It's going to be released in November. And before that happens, though, we have a lot of big events going on. July 21st, we have the first family reunion. And why do we call it a family reunion? Because We've been at it for almost 40 years, and our fans are family to us. The relationships that we have established with people that are fans, the majority of these relationships are more than just casual, hey, great to see you at the show sort of thing. We have gotten to know so many people over the years that it's nice to say, hey, let's come together and see each other. Yeah, uh, Not everybody can go on uh, a tour to Ireland or out to Colorado. But our thought here is we'll have this family reunion, try to get everybody together that can, and then we're going to move it. Next year, we'll move it to another location, and then the year after that, another location. So it'll be on the books as a destination for people to come to. About a year in advance is my hope. And I just like to see where people are at. I like to catch up with people. And it's always been a collective journey. That's the way I look at the music with Switchback and even with the Mr. Marty show and even this podcast. The idea is it's a collective journey with you. And that makes it more interesting hearing from people and finding out what's going on in their lives. So that's what's going on with Switchback the end of the month, we're taking a private group over to Ireland. It's the first time we're doing that. It's a family out of Iowa, and I'm sure it's going to be fun. And then we hit the ground running, basically preparing to release this album in August. There's just so much going on with that. If that wasn't enough, I've got this own... This project of music that's going on. But the big thing that's going on for me right now is trying to prepare for this art showing that's going to be from September 1st through the end of October at the gallery in Peoria, Illinois. It's located in the basement of the Peoria Public Library. It's a huge space. It's a professional space. And I'm working really hard trying to get the various pieces that I need to have done for this exhibition that I feel would be appropriate to lend a little bit of a finish to the pieces that I have. One of the neat things uh, that I've rediscovered is the joy of doing watercolor. I love working with acrylics, but working with watercolor is... There's just a neat process with it. Watercolors give you a lot of surprises because of the nature of the flow of water, how much water is on the paper itself. Because of that, you're able to create a lot of textures and feeling that you normally won't get with oil, and you can get maybe with acrylic if you hit it with a medium. But it's just not the same. The vibrancy, the shininess of acrylic is replaced by this muted but vibrant colors of watercolor. So I'm, when I was out in Colorado, I did what they call plain art, P-L-E-I-N art, which is art on the spot, basically. I sat for five hours painting this mountain scene in watercolor. And it was borrowed watercolors from my friend Donna Gibson, who's a wonderful artist. And she had this little tiny brush that folds in on itself. And it was just exquisite. I sat there and watched the daylight change the face of this mountain. And I had to play with it a little bit too, because at Winter Park, there's a lot of man-made obstructions from buildings and hotels and hanging around. I eliminated those and brought in the forest and created this scene. Finally, I was driven in because a rainstorm had come over the mountain, and it was threatening to ruin my (laughs) watercolor. But that's going to be there at the art showing, as well as some big canvases. Probably the biggest canvas I've got right now is a 48 by 60 that I want to put a Wyoming scene on. And there's a couple other smaller pieces that I want to get done. So a busy month for me, just traveling, but also working, rehearsing, and spinning those plates as usual. I'm going to take a little break here. Let's listen to another one of these songs, a work in progress. And uh, I would love your feedback. What you think of it. You're listening to Strung Out.
2: I am the snowman. I am the snowman
0: This podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the gifts of support we receive from listeners like you. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not send in your gift of love? Go to martinmccormack.com and click on the Donate button. Okay.
1: We're back with that third part of the podcast, and this is where I get to, to wax a little philosophically. This week, I'm going to be going out to Jackson Hole, and Jackson Hole is where my grandparents are buried, where my parents are buried, where my nephew is buried. Up to the pandemic, we had properties out there, and unfortunately, my siblings and I could not come to some sort of agreement about what to do with those properties. And it ended up that the properties had to be sold because the number of people that were in the camp of holding on to the properties, we weren't enough to be able to get a loan to secure what we thought would have been my parents' wishes, which was to keep a toehold in a part of the world that has had a lot of emotional, spiritual relevance. So I'm going out to Wyoming to visit my parents' grave and put a plaque on it. A brass plaque has been created, and some of my siblings are going out there, and we're going to put that on the grave. And I was talking to a buddy of mine just this afternoon, Tom. And Tom has known me since college. And he was like, why are you you going out there? And why are you going to be there with your siblings? You don't see eye to eye with a lot of them. And truth be told, yeah, I don't. And then it dawned on me later in the day that this is right before my birthday. And back in the day when my parents were living, with my birthday, especially when I got into my 30s, I would talk to my parents. I would call them on my birthday, and I would say, Hey, I just want to thank you guys for allowing me to come into the world. And... That was our thing that we would do. So I'd call mom and dad and get them both out of the horn and say, thank you so much for bringing me into the world and giving me this opportunity to just be who I am. I think subconsciously, I probably felt like this would be a nice way to honor them again right before I reached this milestone in my life with turning 60. And uh, it's been seven years since my parents have died. Seven years now since we've lost that land in Wyoming, as I like to joke, the only toehold we have in Jackson Hole now is in a graveyard. Doesn't make for good accommodations. So there it is. And as an artist, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get that toehold back for future generations it's kind of like i had a farm in africa kind of feeling but i'm going to be there with my siblings and you tend to think when you get to a certain place of all the people in your life whose shoulders you stand upon and i think of all the people that have been my teachers my instructors, both literally and figuratively, the lessons that I've picked up from people. And if that doesn't give you pause and you realize anything that you've accomplished, very little of it is really of your own doing. It's that inspiration from others or support that makes all the difference. Luckily enough for me, the people that have supported me and have said, go for it, and who have been not only surrogate parents, too, I've had a lot of those people. And I am what I am. And my life and my music and my art is what it is because of those people. And those kind of people keep coming into my life, too. And it's a sense of joy. And some of you who may be listening to this podcast, and if that resonates with you, you know what I'm talking about. You're probably one of them who has given support one way or another, said, I I believe in what you're doing, and I enjoy who you are and what you're doing. And... That's what life is all about at the end of the day. So, you better believe that next week, a period of three days, I'll have a chance to visit where my parents are buried and I'm going to say to them, thank you for bringing me into this world. And I say to you guys, thank you for allowing me to continue doing this sort of art. And thank you for your support, financially and spiritually, which is so important in this era of everything's free on the Internet. We're back to that patron, artist kind of world. So your patronage, both financially and spiritually, means a lot to me. And it's the best gift any person turning 60 could get, that kind of support. So I'm going to leave it at that. And I want to thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you guys next week with another podcast of Strung Out. Bye-bye for now.
0: Thank you for listening. For more information about this show or a transcript, visit martinmccormack.com. While there, sign up for our newsletter. See you next time on Strung Out.